Good morning. Let's all stand and sing together. That's what faith can do. trust in Jesus, and I want you to pay close attention to the words. Um, it's a really strong song about um, believing in God and knowing where you stand. Um, the, the chorus says, I trust in Jesus, my great deliverer, my strong defender, the Son of God. I trust in Jesus, blessed Redeemer, my Lord forever, the Holy One. Let's sing this together. One of these days we all stand in judgment for every single word that we have spoken. One of these days we all stand before the Lord, give a reason for everything we've done and what I've done. Trust in Jesus, my great deliverer, my 
my strong defender, the Son of God. I trust in Jesus, blessed nothing you can stand on what will you have to say at the judgment throne Come join us up front for a few moments of sharing. got a big crowd today, don't we? Gracious. Are we ready for summer? Yes. Out of school? All right. Well, three days. All right. Okay. Now, I want to tell you something. When I was a little girl and we lived in New Zealand, we used to go on travels where we, every summer we'd go on a vacation for like two weeks and we'd go from one place in New Zealand all the way to the other side of the island and we had to take something with us it was called an atlas that was full of maps have you guys ever seen a map yeah, yeah. does your mommy and daddy use the map no. no oh well yeah we get lost that map helps us find our way on our journey now, you guys today probably have this. GPS. What is it? GPS. 
It does look like that. But this is a GPS. Have, some of you have these in your car. My nana your nana has it. Well, that helps us find our way. And there is a voice that tells us, turn left here. Turn around. You're going the wrong way. Turn, turn, turn. It yells at us. And it makes us stay on our trap right road so we don't get lost. Now, would it be nice to have something like that every day for when we had to make choices? You know, sometimes I think of something and I'm like, well, should I do this? Should I do that? What would Jesus want me to do? And I sometimes feel lost. Well, the disciples felt that way, I bet, when Jesus said that he was going to leave them. Do you think they felt lost? knowing that Jesus was leaving? Well, Jesus said to them, I am going to uh, prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. And he said that he will always be with them. Now, there was a disciple named Thomas. And he said, no, we don't, Lord. We don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? So did he feel lost? Thomas felt lost. Well, Jesus then said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's right. No one can come to my father except through me. Well, then Philip, who was another disciple, said, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Guess what Jesus told him from there? Jesus said, have you been with me all this time and you still don't know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus then said, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Anyone who believes in me will do the same things I have done. Well, that made the disciples very happy to know that because they knew they would be on the right path if they followed Jesus. Now today, do we have something that lets us follow Jesus? What do we have? The Bible. God has given us our own GPS right here to take us on the road to him. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for sending your son to show us the way to live. Thank you for the Bible which guides us in our journey to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what? I went back over to the office to get something with Greg a while ago and um, left my sermon notes over there. <laughs> Craig, thank you. They all thank you for that, Craig. Uh, so, so what's going to happen in a minute is, Brother Andrew, where are you? Took <laughs> the kids and well, we just we just going to have to wing it here. Um, but anyway, um, tell jokes, I could do that. No! <laughs> tell Andy if he doesn't mind to go look in June's office. Um, there's a little girl that just left here, Greg, who was sitting on the front row hollering, Daddy. I don't know whether you have heard your daughter call your name, but that was real cute. Yesterday, uh, Phrase Band... Uh, I think represented you proudly. Uh, we were up at the Strawberry Festival up at Slater um, and did some singing up there. Had a great time, did about 12 or 13 songs in the heat. It was an interesting situation because we were on a metal stage looking straight out at nobody because everybody who was there to hear us was over here under the only tree. It was kind of weird. <clears throat> but we had a 
we had a good time together, and, uh, uh, and there wasn't a stampede. Nobody left because of us singing. It was really great. It is good to see you here today. Actually, it's not good to see you. I was sort of hoping we'd all meet in heaven this morning, but you know that <clears throat> if, you, uh, if you read your Bible, you weren't surprised that nobody will know the time of Jesus' return. I don't know how people don't understand what's plainly written. Uh, but anyway, um, I went ahead and worked on a sermon all week thinking that we might have something today. So, If you have a prayer concern that you would like to share uh, with us, we invite you to fill out an index card in a minute. Um, raise your hand so we'll know where to go with the index card and fill something out and we'll read, uh, read your concern and join you in prayer, more importantly, uh, in a few moments. And we do believe there is a, a power in our united prayer. And um, speaking of prayer, um, please be in prayer this week for band member Corey, who has very serious surgery involving uh, some facial uh, grafting and, and bone structure up in Charlotte. Very, very uh, complicated, serious surgery uh, that she's been preparing for for over a year. So um, she says she's going to have to miss about six weeks of being with the band, and I tell her, we'll put a bag over her head if she's worried about that. But she didn't, she didn't like that, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> but she's going to be wonderful again in about six weeks, so we'll miss her during that time. Uh, announcements. <clears throat> Vacation Bible School, please sign up today and join us on June 5 through 9 from 6 to 7.45 each night at the Shake It Up Cafe, where kids carry out God's recipe. Uh, you may register at the cafe table in the Family Life Center or, or online at greerchurch.com. Please register today. Uh, kids, remember Wonderful Wednesdays will start the week after Bible school. We will meet at the church from 9 to 12 noon each Wednesday in June and July. Uh, stay tuned for more details. Our fourth and fifth grade Sunday school class needs a teacher for the month of June. If you can help, please let Katie Jeter or Michelle Driscoll know. Thank you. Um, do you have your... Index cards about filled out. We'll collect them at this time. And yes, Judy. You know, I don't know. Okay, good, good. It's going to be a real short sermon today because I don't have anything up here printed. <laughs> Who knows where I put my notes? Did you find them? Oh, Andy's learning that when you work with an elderly pastor, you better be ready at all times. <laughs> well, you heard about the time the preacher was preaching on Adam and Eve, and he lost one of his pages of his script, and he said, and Adam said to Eve, one of my leaves is missing. You said don't tell jokes, I know. Let's, um, let's join our hearts in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day. <clears throat> Thank you that you have prepared us for eternity, whether that day comes for us today, tomorrow, or in your good time when you determine to come. Be with those this day who were confused, and tricked, or whatever it might be, whose faith is devastated and cause them to return to your word and be comforted and strengthened. And these are our other prayers for today. We pray for Dr. Alice, Alex uh, Colonna, who is a friend of Wayne and Megan Yont as he prepares to deploy to Iraq, leaving a wife and son at home. We pray for family and friends seeking jobs, for the family also of Tim Griffith. We pray for safe travels for Joanne and grandson Aaron, 
and safe travels also for Tom as he travels back to Afghanistan. We pray for Corey Kinnett on her for her surgery on May 25th, and we pray for Doris Wright and for those uh, teachers, students, and graduates who are coming to the end of the school year. We pray for Della, Bell, and family and friends, uh, for Della who is home with hospice. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We pray thanks for Paul's successful surgery and recovery, for healing for Doris Wright and Ken Taylor. And we ask that you would give Corey strength, courage, and successful outcome in the surgery that is ahead of her this week. Lord, these are our prayers through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us join together now as we pray the prayer our Lord taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> Scripture lesson today, sermon, The Road Home, and the scripture is John 14, uh, 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. <clears throat> Here ends the lesson. Before I start, I saw a great children's performance production the other night that's for children through high school, and the star evil man is sitting on the front row up here, Mr. Alex Guest. He was the chief werewolf, and uh, his costume, I told him it was a great improvement. He looked so much better <laughs> as a werewolf. <clears throat> One more today, show this afternoon at two. If you've got nothing to do, it is well worth it. Beautiful performance done by area children. Now, I imagine that John 14 is among the scriptures that you are most familiar with because it's one we often use at our United Methodist funerals. You probably know that Jesus spoke these words just after Judas left the room to betray Jesus and just before they all went out to the Garden of Gethsemane for prayer. Being among the final words of Jesus, they have a special kind of importance because they tell us things that Jesus thought were most important and things he really had confidence in as he spoke these things. Even in those final moments of his life, he was speaking words of comfort to the people that he loved. Pretty amazing. 
he was assuring them that the events that were about to unfold uh, were God's plan for his life and that somehow by those events he would be preparing a place for their eternity. <clears throat> now you probably know that in the original manuscript uh, the Bible was not divided by chapter and verse like we have now. Uh, that didn't happen until the Middle Ages when the printing press came along and Bibles began to proliferate uh, to the common person. Um, we, had, we then needed some help to, to know what scriptures were being referred to. Uh, someone arbitrarily assigned the numbers and broke up the chapters and verses. And they really missed it here in this thought because if they were going to keep the thought together, they should have backed up to John chapter 13, verse 33. In that way, the passage would begin with Jesus saying, My children, I will be with you just a little longer. You will look for me, but where I'm going, you can't come. The disciples had always gone everywhere with Jesus. So they couldn't believe what they were hearing. In verse 36, Peter says, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says, well, where I'm going, you can't come right now, but you'll come later. To this response, Peter asks, why can't I go with you now? And he adds, I'm willing to die for you. That's when Jesus said, no, Peter, you're not. You'll deny me three times tonight. This really upsets Peter and the rest of the disciples. And that's why Jesus had to say, don't be so troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Have trust in God and trust me also. And then he tells them that he's headed home to God and they know the way. But Thomas isn't so sure. Lord, if we don't know where you're going, how will we know to find you? How will we get there? To this question, Jesus responded, I am the road, just like I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now that last sentence has set off a firestorm of debate across all the ages, and I'm going to boldly wade into that controversy in a few moments. I hope you have your tar and feather handy. <clears throat> but first, let's look at some other things that uh, the scripture tells us about Jesus and God. Uh, Jesus told his disciples that heaven couldn't be thought of as God's dwelling place and that that dwelling place was very large. Does that surprise you? There's plenty of space there, Jesus said, room for lots of people. Well, I know that there have been groups that have interpreted Scripture to mean that there's only going to be a small number in heaven, like 144,000. But to interpret that number in Revelation literally is to miss John of Patmos's uh, meaning when he quoted that number. There were people in that day that were afraid that there weren't going to be any of God's chosen people in heaven. And John said, that's ridiculous. Ten tribes may be lost as far as we know, but God hadn't lost them. And in the final reckoning, there's going to be 12,000, a huge number of people from every tribe and it's going to be filled in heaven with Israelites and then John went on to say that he saw a great multitude from every tribe and tongue uh, on earth and he said they're going to be there too it's going to be a crowded place um, so if you ever hear a preacher trying to tell you that there are not going to be many of us that make it into heaven he's probably trying real good to scare you so that you will repent and there's some of you here that might need that. <clears throat> but I would rather love you real good so that you'll hear God's loving invitation to follow his road home. God has a place designed for you in his eternity. And God will be very upset if your place isn't full by you, filled by you. If Jesus was going to the Father without them, Philip wanted to at least meet the Father. Just show us the Father, Jesus, and we'll be satisfied. That's plenty for us. Jesus' response was very interesting to that. Philip, after all my time with you, you don't know who I am? How can you say, show us the Father, when you're looking right at me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. A five-year-old child was painting a picture the teacher asked, what are you painting? 
The child said, I'm painting a picture of God. The teacher replied, but nobody knows what God looks like. The child said, well, they will in a minute. In his response to Philip, Jesus was saying something just like that child said. If you want to know what God looks like and acts like and feels like and thinks like, just look at me. His life painted a portrait of God. If you want to see what God looks like, look at Jesus. God was in Jesus and Jesus was in God in such a way that they were inseparable and identical. Well, I may have just left enough time to wade into a controversy. I don't usually enjoy going into controversial subjects because invariably somebody gets angry. But I find that for everybody that gets angry, there's somebody who feels comforted. One of the wonderful things about the United Methodist Church is that we agree to agree on the big thing, Jesus. And then we agree that we can disagree on everything else, pretty much. Uh, see if you can find that kind of liberty in any other denomination around. And I don't think you will. You're not going to find anything quite that freeing. Uh, you're certainly free to disagree with me on this today, and some of you undoubtedly will. But I tackle this issue because it's in the news and very much a hotly debated issue. In some ways, the issue is hurting the cause of Christ, and there are people that aren't taking a serious look at the faith because of this subject. At least we need to be aware of this as we do our best job of presenting the gospel in the world. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's, even, um, it's been used often in the Christian community to say that people of other religions aren't going to be in heaven. Hey, it's even been used within the Christian community to say that only their group and not us are going to get to heaven because we're not strict enough as they are in following all the rules. They say that Jesus is the way, but there are many facets of the way. You've got to be baptized just the right way. You've got to take communion often enough. You've got to go through confession and acts of penance. Some say you can't uh, play cards and dance and hope to get to heaven. I sure am glad I can't dance. <clears throat> Others say that following the way means that we climb our way up to heaven up a ladder of good works. And even though you and I say that we believe in salvation by faith in Christ alone, Jesus didn't mention the word faith in that statement. He says, through me. He doesn't say, through faith in me. So you see, it's open to lots of interpretations, and it has been interpreted. I do not believe that the verse is being correctly interpreted if we use it to say that only Christians are going to be in heaven and that everyone else is going to go to hell. That idea is certainly offensive to the very people we're hoping to win for Christ. And it seems contrary to what we read in Scripture as well. Do you remember the time when a pagan Roman centurion asked Jesus to heal a, serv a servant of his? And he said, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. I'm a soldier. I know how this works. You issue the command and it will be done. And Jesus said, I haven't seen this kind of faith among the people of Israel. He bragged on the faith of a pagan. You know, Jesus was always real kind to everyone who was lost. He was only tough on people who thought they had their way made and certain that they were going to go to heaven. Jesus also told the parable of the worker in the vineyard, saying that no matter how many hours the people had worked, one hour or twelve, they all got a day's pay. And when some folks complained about the unfairness of this, the owner said, hey, it's my vineyard. It's my money. Can't I do with mine as I so choose? So who makes it into heaven is God's decision and not mine. It's his big house, not mine. And it isn't about fairness. If it was, I wouldn't have a chance. It's all about mercy. And it's about God's right to do with his children what he so chooses. Now, I certainly do believe that all who trust in God's forgiving nature as shown by Jesus' death on the cross can rest easy and rest assured that they will be in heaven. That's a definite sure thing. 
But beyond that, I don't think you and I can say. I think we'd better leave it up to God. I'm certain of this. We're going to be surprised when we get to heaven and see some people there that we were just sure were going to go the other way. In fact, there are going to be some people in heaven that you and I were hoping went the other way. And you know that's true. I'm just being honest. It's not Christ-like, but it's honest. May God forgive us for wishing hell upon our personal enemies, but we do. In a previous congregation, I had a crusty old master sergeant named Perry. He had served President Eisenhower as a national security advisor. He made Ike mad on several occasions because Perry was very straightforward. He told you exactly what he thought. And that's not always good in politics. I never will forget the time Perry asked us, do you think that God would send an insane person to hell? We thought about it a minute and we said, no. A just and merciful God would not send an absolutely crazy person to hell. Then Perry shocked us by saying, then get ready because you'll meet Hitler in heaven because Hitler was insane. We didn't particularly like that idea, but Perry had a point. Only God can judge the heart because only God knows all the facts. So I don't think that God intended for these words of Jesus to mean that only Christians will be in heaven. Then what did he mean? Well, you're ever, if you're ever here when John Rush assists me with a funeral, and by the way, Elaine, did John make it through the night? He's, he's still here. He didn't get raptured. Okay. If John didn't get, nobody will. So anyway, um, if, you're, if you're ever here for a funeral that John uh, reads this passage, you'll hear him say, no one comes to call God Father except through me. That's the paraphrase he likes. In other words, no one really comes to the understanding that God is a loving parent like Jesus understood without looking at God through the eyes of Jesus and hearing the words of Jesus. Often people say to me that there appears to be a, a lot of difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of Jesus. One member said to me one time, it appears that God was full of wrath in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament he had a child and mellowed out. Well, the fact of the matter is that if the Old Testament had correctly understood God, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. And he wouldn't have had to speak even one word about God. The fact of the matter is, people didn't get it right. And so Jesus came to set the record straight. No one can correctly understand God's fatherly nature unless they embrace the image uh, of God that is similar to the one presented by Jesus. Still another thing that this verse might be telling us is that the work that Jesus did on the cross was the thing that was absolutely necessary to give any of us a chance to be saved. For the record of all sins committed against God to be canceled out, Jesus' death on the cross was absolutely necessary. It was the atonement that was essential for salvation. Therefore, this verse might mean no one could come to the Father without the work of the atonement done for us. Now, sometimes I wonder just how far this atonement reaches. The Bible says that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Could it possibly be that God's grace is more powerful, victorious, and all-encompassing than we've imagined? Did you know that the Eastern Orthodox Church's position on this, as well as some famous Protestant thinkers like William Barclay and Karl Barth believe that Jesus' blood covered all people and that ultimately all people will be saved by God's grace. And there are plenty of scriptures in the New Testament that can be quoted to back up that position. If there was anything clear to the early church, it was that God wanted that, that God desired salvation for everyone. God doesn't want even a single person, person to perish said Peter in 2 Peter. They believed that Jesus had died for the sins of the whole world to reconcile all things to God, and that's why they went out to announce this to the world. 
Certainly, God isn't trying to keep anyone out of heaven. In fact, God is working very diligently by his spirit to get everyone he can in. God sent us the one who is the way, the road home. I'm going to close with a question because there are several troublesome uh, passages in Peter that I want your help thinking about. In 1 Peter 3, 19 through 20, it says that in the spirit, Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Akin to this is 1 Peter 4, 6. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. This was Peter's answer to the question of where Jesus was between his death on Good Friday and his resurrection on Easter Sunday. The early church believed that the answer was that Jesus had descended to hell, where he proclaimed the gospel to the people there. Why? If there's no chance beyond death for repentance, then why did Jesus go somewhere to proclaim the gospel to the dead? You see, there's just a lot we don't know. But there is this that we do know. Heaven is God's dwelling place, and Jesus has made an unfailing, infallible road home to the Father. Jesus is the road, the truth, and the life. There is, a there is coming a time in my life and yours when Jesus will come back for us to take us to be with him forever in God's huge dwelling place. Amen. Join me in the affirmation of faith as we stand together to say the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Please be seated and let's receive our morning offering.
is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood. Oh, precious is the flow. Makes me white as snow. No other bound I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood. She said my sermon was so long, I didn't know we were going to do anything else. God Almighty, 
Praise the Lord God Almighty. And everybody singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Is the Lord God Almighty.